Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm here with my tremendously talented and very healthy healthy. (laughs) co-host, Ella McGirt. You are healthy, aren't you? I am very healthy. And in that vein, we are here with the incomparable Karen Lynch, the CEO of CVS Health. She has topped Fortune's Most Powerful Women's List for two years running. There's been a big presence in that space for a long time. And another fun fact, CVS is the highest ranking Fortune 500 company ever led by a woman. Yeah, Ellen, uh, CVS started as consumer value stores. It now ranks number four number four on the Fortune 500 list and growing since Karen took over as CEO in 2021. Yeah, that's right. And one reason for that is that she's initiated a plan to transform hundreds of CVS's almost 10,000 U.S. stores into super clinics. Very interesting vision here, making CVS Health one of the nation's biggest networks of urgent and primary care. Yeah, which is what we want to talk about today. In the past six months alone, CVS has made two more multi-billion dollar acquisitions, Oak Street Health and Signify, that is going to further increase their reach into the primary care market. So she's here with us today to talk about all of those things and her vision for business and a whole bunch of other stuff. Karen, welcome to Leadership Next. Well, thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. (laughs) You know, Alan and I typically start off these conversations with the big news of the moment, and Alan teed it up beautifully. There's plenty of it. But I thought it would be a missed opportunity not to ask the woman who seems determined to transform America's healthcare delivery system and become literally a hub for physical and mental health in the country how she was doing. So Karen, let's start on a human note. How are you doing? I'm doing um, great. I, uh, as I said to you earlier, just uh, celebrated a big birthday and uh, was um, participating. 40. <laughs> 30. 40? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to share. You can just look it up. And uh, <laughs> so I'm feeling great. I'm still doing the Peloton every day. I actually managed to run a 5K. Um, and I was, as I was telling Alan before the show, I, I did a poll plunge on January 1st at 48 degrees. So all in, feeling pretty good. That is awesome. It is such a blessing. Alan, lead us through the news of the day because these acquisitions are extraordinary. Yeah, let's start with the big one, Oak Street Health. That's a a $10 billion acquisition. It's very exciting, but it's a different business than, than you've been in in the past. So tell us where that's taking you. Yeah. So, you know, Alan, Alan, if you just rewind back to December of 2021. Um, you know, we were in the midst of a pandemic. I, you know, kind of took over earlier in that year. And um, while we were, um, you know, dealing with vaccines, we were repositioning the company with our overall intent to really change the way consumers experience and engage with their healthcare system. So we laid out a really bold path of really doing an integrated offering, so extending into broader health services. And we said we were going to extend into primary care because primary care is the center of the connection of healthcare. The pandemic changed the way you know people were interacting with the healthcare system, so we wanted to extend in the home. The healthcare system is changing dramatically. We are moving from a very much a transactional-based healthcare system, where typically people call it fee-for-service, to what we call value-based care. 
And that's really where primary care comes in. Oak Street is um, the leader in primary care, serving underprivileged and serving Medicare Advantage um, members. And with that acquisition, plus you mentioned it earlier, Alan, plus the acquisition of Signify Health, we have the premier payer agnostic value-based care assets to support Medicare bar none in the country. And our goal, our, our, you know, our goal will be to improve health, improve health outcomes, improve quality, improve access and convenience. That really is fascinating. The one thing I want to follow up on, you said payer agnostic. I mean, obviously, Aetna uh, is, is a, a healthcare provider, a health care payer, but you want to provide primary care to all comers. That's that's correct. We, uh, you know, some of our um, competitors are our primary customers in Oak Street and in Signify. Similar to what we do in our pharmacy benefits management company, similar to what we do, we serve all customers in CVS um, retail. And our intent is to provide primary care um, for all customers focusing first on um, Medicare Advantage, because we think you know that's the largest population, has the highest cost, um, has the most chronic conditions. We feel like we can have a huge impact on improving overall health outcomes in that population. Tell us a little bit about Signify. As I was preparing for this conversation, I spent more time than I expected to on their website, sort of looking through their offerings, but also understanding how they interacted in vulnerable communities. And I was I was surprised at their focus and that a big company would be interested in working with them in this way. Tell us a little bit about it. People throughout the last two years have really changed the way they've thought about healthcare delivery, and people want convenient. That could be um, through digital connections, that could be through um, community-based assets like an Oak Street, or it can be in the home. And what Signify uh, does, they're in 50 states, they go into the home and they basically uh, do assessments of your overall health, and then they reconnect you to the care that you need. So imagine sitting across the table and interacting with someone um, that can help you understand um, you know, how your, your blood pressure and talk more about it. They can actually open up a refrigerator door and see what's in there. You know, what kind of food are you eating? And you, you both know food is really important. It's part of your overall health and if you're not, eating healthy, that's gonna have an impact on your health. And then they can redirect you. What's interesting about Signify Health is 30% of the people that they see either don't have a primary care uh, physician or have assigned one that they're not using. Think about the possibility that we have to connect those patients into a primary care asset like Oak Street or you know, working with them to with our you know with our pharmacists and doing medical reconciliations to make sure that their medicines are appropriate for the conditions that they're having. So again, you see the interplay. Signify an important home asset interplays with Oak Street quite nicely, and will intersect with the rest of CVS Health so that we have that connected experience um, for the consumer. It's it's really I'm really excited about the possibilities here. Now we have to close the transactions. Yeah, of course. Ellen, by the way, is far too young to be talking about <laughs> Medicare, but I, I'm, I, I have my card. I'm ready to go. Do Oak Street Health and Signify replace my primary care physician? The statistic you gave was fascinating that many uh, people my age don't have a primary care physician, but what if you do? You know, it depends on what 
plans you pick, what primary care you have. So if you're in a Medicare Advantage um, plan, you, you may pick a, a product that has Oak Street, you know, Oak Street Health primary care um, available to you, or if you, you know, or you keep uh, you keep your own. Uh, love to love to share a story with you about Oak Street, just to give you a sense for what that primary care experience looked like when we were going through the transaction. I had the opportunity to go um, visit one of the um, clinics um, right down the street here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And um, what's fascinating is they obviously have transportation for those individuals that don't have a way to get to the doctor. Um, they'll bring you um, to the clinic. But what the real um, sort of benefit that I saw was that it's more of, more of not just the primary care, it's a community. There was a woman in there, um, she's lonely, she doesn't have anyone at home. She goes into the community center every single day. And at that point in time, she was you know, making decorations for the community center. And then obviously she's getting her care there. And it was just, you know, it's really what healthcare should be in the community, you know, easy access and, and improving her quality of care. And, you know, I, I talked to her for a little while and she was just so excited um, about the people that she meets there and about how she's getting her follow-up care. And it's just a, a different model. And it is a very, um, you know, and, and, and she's digitally connected to them as well. And it's just a way to have people not only you know, keep thinking about their health, but kind of that broader aspect of all parts of your well-being and, you know, staying connected in the community. So from a philosophical point of view, I do understand the fundamental tension between the fee-for-service model, which we've been living with for so long, and the value, the value care model. But on a practical basis, what does it mean to scale an entirely new model of healthcare delivery when we're so used to the mechanical version of if you're lucky enough to get into the big building, you walk through the treatment, you come out and maybe you're maybe you're well, maybe you're not, maybe you have no relationship with your healthcare provider, maybe you do. I'm imagining there's new ways of training and screening for the right kind of empathetic personnel. There's new ways of putting safety protocols in place. How does this scale? Obviously, Oak and Signify are um, you know big in, in, in and of themselves, but I think it scales because um, we're improving health outcomes. Um, people are engaging in their care. Um, they're getting the um, right care at the right time, at the right place. And there's that connectedness um, to their overall health. And one of the things that I've learned over the course of the last couple of years is that, you know, people are more focused on their health than they ever have been. People want to um, be connected um, to their health. They want to live longer lives. And the way that you do that is through engagement. And I think with technology, and that's going to be the critical part of having us uh, having the ability to scale, it's really leveraging the technology that um, both of these assets have that we have. You know, you don't want fee-for-service to, you know, continue. It's transaction-based, and it's not really looking at that holistic approach to your care. Then that's the part that I think is it makes it easier scale because people are going to want to do this, you know, be involved in this kind of um, engagement in health. And right now, you tell me, I think you're both in, you know, probably engaged with the healthcare system every day. It's fragmented. It's difficult. It's hard. And, and these kinds of assets and this kind of approach to healthcare uh, makes a difference in people's lives. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. And, and how, how will the clinics relate to the stores? I mean, do you see them 
uh, ultimately being located adjacent to the stores, inside the stores? What's the connection? Yeah, I think there's a couple ways that we're thinking about it. You know, there are, um, you know, stores that we have today in that, you know, we have because they're in underserved communities and there would be a pharmacy desert or maybe a food desert. Um, and we have those stores for those purposes. So those were, are likely um, places where we may kind of reposition uh, a store and put a, an Oak Street clinic um, in that particular store. That's, you know, one model. Uh, another model is looking, you know, kind of broadly uh, where uh kind of where the population is that, you know, meet the criteria, the Medicare Advantage, dual eligibles, underserved communities, where Oak Street is today, and then expanding out so that we kind of hit that population. That's how, how we're thinking about it. So sometimes they could be in a store, sometimes they could be close to a store, sometimes they could be adjacent to a store. The way we're going to use our stores, um, you know, kind of those pharmacies and those minute clinics is to um, provide um, wraparound services services, or sometimes when there's just a convenient get your vaccine, you don't really need to go to the clinic. Um, and th those are the types of things, maybe some smaller urgent um, types of things that someone might need. We'll, we'll kind of use those stores as the wraparound to bring additional capacity to that Oak Street Clinic. Where does mental and behavioral health fit into your vision? It, it is... Um, front and center, it has to be um, part of the overall equation. We as a company are um, very committed to connecting uh, the mental health and the physical health. Oak Street has part of their services, includes the behavioral health. Um, I don't think you can think about health without including behavioral health. And when you're serving um, you know, patients, whether they be in Medicare, uh, whether they're, uh, you know, a woman who's suffering from postpartum depression. And I talk about this often, that women, you know, when they have babies, it's the most joyful time of their life. At the same time, more and more women suffer from um, postpartum depression. Your care plan should include that conversation and that discussion and those access points for them. And I think as, you know, as kind of healthcare companies, we, we have to get better at doing those kinds of holistic care plans so that we're getting in front of it. So it's central to how we think about health. It's central to um, our platform for health and it's central to the long-term strategy of this company. And it, I think for, for the US healthcare system, it has to be integrated. I'm here with Joe Yukazoglu, the CEO of Deloitte US and the sponsor of this podcast for all three of its seasons. Thank you for that, Joe. Pleasure to be here, Alan. Joe, business is facing so many challenges these days. The continued pandemic, the battle for talent, supply chain problems, rising inflation, and now on top of all of that, war in Europe. How are companies responding to all this disruption? Alan, you're seeing a remarkable level of optimism in the face of so many varied challenges. And by and large, I'd attribute that to a recognition that this is just the new normal, the constant curveballs that will be thrown at us. But at the same time, given how successfully so many of these organizations have navigated through these things over the past couple of years, a growing confidence that we'll be able to continue to navigate the issues that get thrown at us and grow our businesses. But to do that, we are absolutely seeing a new brand of leadership emerge grounded in resilience, 
in agility, in a learning mindset. These are the most important leadership attributes in an environment where we should just expect that change and disruption are going to be at a consistently high level of intensity. The problems aren't going away, Joe, right? <laughs> that you have to manage through them. I had a CEO say to me recently that if you put together a list of the top 20 risks one week, something big's gonna hit the next week and it probably isn't even on that list. And that's just a reflection of the number of different phenomena in the world right now and the level of complexity that businesses are managing through. Joe, thank you. Alan, it's a real pleasure. Karen, you have such a, a personal passion for health. I know that from previous conversations. You can hear it in this conversation. Where does that come from? What's the uh, the secret Karen Lynch story that led you to this point? Well, um, I don't know if it's secret. I talk a lot often about it, but there's a couple things that have led me here. Um, my mom died by suicide when I was 12. And then uh, my aunt took all four of us, um, my siblings and I in, um, and took care of us. And um, she passed away when I was in my mid-20s. Wow. And I remember kind of sitting on a hospital bed, not knowing what questions to ask, not knowing um, you know, where to go, not knowing how to help her. And you know, those sort of set sort of my intentions, you know, kind of in the longer term. And then, you know, I've led a pretty, you know, knock on wood, I've led a pretty healthy life. And then sort of, you know, in, you know, and, and Alan, you'll appreciate this. It, you know, in my 50s, I'm, you know, out cycling and I have like the first major experience with the healthcare system with a, a bicycling accident where I broke my hip. And I, you know, I'm in the healthcare system. Well, it was hard. Like the there wasn't a bed available, and you know I had to wait for you know surgeries. That led to a new product idea at Aetna. I was running Aetna at the time, but though all those things, and and even that just that one experience, sort of with that kind of you know being young and um, you know thinking about it then to even just the small minor experience I had, really drives that passion um, and that commitment. People come to CVS Health when they're the most vulnerable. When you have a health issue, you know, you don't know what to do. And what I want to do as a company is have you think about CVS Health as your kind of place to go, whether it's you have insurance needs, whether or not you have you have care delivery needs, whether or not you have post kind of acute follow-up needs, whether or not you need to uh, kind of go talk to a pharmacist. I want you to think about CVS Health first because we have that entire continuum of care to support you in that journey of health. And I wanna make it easy and I wanna make it simple and I wanna make it affordable and um, have people engage with us in, in ways that um, we haven't thought of before. Alan, I don't know about you, but I got all my uh, COVID shots and boosters and most of my tests at CVS and not always the same CVS. Alan knows, and I think many of our listeners know that I split my time in Florida where I'm trying to take care of my elderly mom and navigate all the things that you've talked about. And I can see the, the just the true value of making this system that you've described work for everybody. 
because it is a struggle. Um, and it was wonderful to have a place that was familiar, you know, that I could just make an appointment and get the the COVID care that I needed, including my questions answered. What were the lessons that CVS learned during the pandemic? Because you you really stepped in at a very early moment and decided to get ahead of delivering care at this time. You know, it's interesting. We we had um, a, um, a mom call us and tell, tell us that her mom was, um, she wanted to recognize CVS Health employees because um, one day her mom who had Alzheimer's um, left uh, her house and drove around the neighborhood and ended up at a CVS that like 10 miles away. And the reason why she went to that CVS is because she went to CVS near her house every day and she felt like, oh, I know that CVS, I, I trust that CVS. And we had, we had a brand new um, colleague, his name was Marcus. And um, he, he recognized there wasn't something particularly right about um, this woman. And he started talking to her. He realized mm. like she needs wow. help. And she, he got her to give, um, give him her daughter's um, telephone number and her name. And he called this, this woman and said, your mom is here and she's at the CVS. And, can, you know, and, and he kept her there, wouldn't let her go. And the mom was so grateful that our colleague was you know helping her you know to your point Alan you said it's uh, that place where it's convenient and it's a trust factor and uh, you know the, I was pretty proud of Marcus it was his first day on the job and um, you know as a result I was really excited oh our, you know um, I, I and then I created um, CVS Hero Awards but that's a different story um, <laughs> but you know to to your point what did we learn uh, through the pandemic you know we learned that um, you know health doesn't wait you know we have the urgency to act and that you know that health is that most valuable asset that we all own and that you know we as a company are you know there in the community we're there in you know kind of when people need us the most and um, we need to make sure that we're continuing evolving as a company so that we can meet um, the ever-changing needs of our our customers and our patients well, you're certainly evolving very fast, Karen. You haven't been in this job that long. And when I look at the Signify acquisition, which gets you into home health care, and the Oak Street Health acquisition, with, with, which gets you into clinics, what comes to mind for me is, oh, the next one's going to be technology, because the power of technology to help keep people uh, monitored from a distance uh, on top, make, make sure they're taking their medicine, various things that you can do through connected technology is potentially transformative. How are you thinking about technology in this equation? Yeah, technology is the great enabler of healthcare. And I'm a firm believer that the future of healthcare is, um, is technology. The good news for us is that the two assets that we acquired have very strong um, technology stacks. And that was one of the criteria that we looked um, very hard at. You know, when I first started, we had very little um, digital engagement. We're up to 47, 48 million digital um, users today. Wow. That number needs to continue to expand, but we've made uh, really good progress. And we're using technology not only to interact with um, consumers, but using it to um, improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of our colleagues. 
this is a great story. I have to share a story with you. We put in some new technology in our pharmacy and I go and visit stores and I don't necessarily tell them I'm coming, but I just popped in and you know was asking one of the pharmacy managers, how's this um, new tech that we just rolled out doing? And, and I could tell she was being a little bit politic in her answers to me. So I turned um, around and I asked the pharmacy tech. And I said, what do you think? He, he looked at me and he said, Karen, this sucks. Whoa. And I said, Whoa. Oh. <laughs> I said, okay. I, then I kind of had this big smile on my face because I was like, all right, he's telling me the truth. And, and I said, well, tell me, you know, tell me about it. And so he's telling me some technical things. I said, all right, I, I can't fix that today, but I'm going to come back. And in a couple of days, and I'm going to bring the team that designed this, and I want you to explain to them what is going on with this and why it is not working. You know, and I could tell he's sort of rolling his eyes, like, "Yeah, she's not coming back." Well, I show up three <laughs> days later with the technique, and his eyes literally are bugging out of his head, like, "I can't believe you came back." I said. What do you mean you can't believe I came back? Of course I came back. Like, I need this technology to work for you because if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for 10,000 other stores and then it doesn't work for our customers. And, I, you know, the team sort of, um, you know, figured it out. But, you know, you know technology is really important that it works. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and, and that's the important part. But, you know, it, it's, it's things like that that you really have to go and test and make sure it's working so that it supports the whole company. Well, bravo to you. That's a great story. It is a great story. You've just I know we don't have you for very much longer, but you mentioned being in um, food and care deserts. You mentioned having uh, CVS stores and clinics in places where there's not a lot of support. You know, at that point, you get you get to the heart of the bigger issues, but certainly in the U.S., that the social determinant of, of health is often the zip code you're born into. So I'm curious how you think about that and how you think about making sure that the people who work in these stores in whatever capacity are prepared to really understand uh, the unique, the often unique healthcare and access needs that the people that they serve are and how they can communicate that back to you. It's not a high-tech solution. It's a high-touch solution. But, I, but you're such a fixture in these communities that just seems like an important touch and data point. We view um, being in the communities um, as central and, and really social determinants of care as core to what we do. As a company, we invest significantly in housing. We spent, I think, $400 million in the last um, two years in just investing in, in low-income housing so people have access um, to housing. Uh, we have uh, what we call um, Project Health, where we uh, send mobile vans into underserved communities and we do screenings um, for those individuals that may not have um, access to care and aren't comfortable even coming into a CVS um, health clinic. And, and then we kind of talk them through about um, some of their options. So uh, we've spent uh, you know, a lot of time doing that. As a matter of fact, uh, during, uh, during the pandemic, one of the things we partnered with Mass General on was looking at some communities that were totally under vaccinated and we went in with you know we went in with our mobile van and theirs and we took one of the um, towns in Massachusetts from being the last to being uh, the first in, in vaccinations. Signify is really going to help with us because we're going to be in the home and we can really assess um, what's going on there. And then our pharmacists, one of the things and, and you know pharmacy is one of the most utilized healthcare benefits. Our pharmacists are trained to have those conversations um, around you know kind of medical you know 
you know, med pharmacy adherence. We have stores in uh, Miami, there are Navarro stores, where um, people use our um, pharmacists as their clinician. And so, and, and they go to our stores and they drink Cuban coffee and, you know, and they engage with our pharmacists around their health. I'm not sure the sugar in the Cuban coffee is good for them, <laughs> but again, that it's that community approach and it's that engagement and interaction. So across our company, we address this the social determinants in a number of ways. Uh, Karen, I want to change the topic on you a little bit. It, it, it's so great. It's so encouraging to see a woman running one of the five largest companies in the country, one of the 10 largest companies in the world. That's never happened before. Uh, it's very exciting. But why did it take so long and why aren't there more women running Fortune 500 companies? I think we're up to about 10 percent. Uh, well, I don't know the reason why, but let me tell you my, what some of my experiences. Um, when I was young in my career, and this is a great story, when I was young in my career, I walked into a room and it was all men, and I said, where should I sit? And a guy looked at me and he said, um, you should sit over in the corner because women just take up space in the boardroom. Oh. And, right. And so that might give you a sense. And and so I, I share that story because, um, you know, when, when I was named CEO, my, I came out in a, a T-shirt and my husband said, you're wearing a T-shirt on your first day as CEO. I said, we're virtual. My shirt said, um, taking up space. <laughs> and um, I shared this story. <laughs> I shared this story um, with, the, my, with our diversity council a couple weeks ago. And our diversity um, council, one of um, our colleagues went home and told her, um, her young daughter about the story and about taking up space. She, they, she, she sent me, her daughter sent me a note and said, we heard your story. And I'm a Girl Scout and at Girl Scouts, we talked about what we can do to take up more space. And they sent me a picture, they all got t-shirts that said, taking up space. I was so excited. So I don't know why, um, but, but I do know that those girls, no one will ever tell them that they should sit in the corner because they're taking up space. And that's where I think the opportunity lies ahead of us and the future generations um, to see more women in um, big, powerful leadership positions. I love it. Oh, God, that's a good story. So uh, consumer value stores to CVS in 60 years. Uh, can you tell us a little bit before we let you go, what do the next 60 years look like for CVS when Al and I get together in 60 years to talk to the next, to that CEO then? <laughs> because we're so healthy. Wait, can I be the, can I be the CEO in 60 years? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, you, you can still be the if CEO. You want to That's be. allowed. When Alan was talking about, you know, what's next, I was thinking inter, intergalactic health. You're going to be running health systems on four or five different planets by then. That could be that too. What's the legacy? I, well, first, our roots, you know, consumer value stores. We started with consumer and value, and we're sticking to those roots. Value means a little something different to us today. It means access. It means affordability. It means we're in the communities. But we're. But my hope is that we stick to those roots of being customer focused, you know, providing value, providing the delivery of care. And as you think about, um, you know, the next 60 years, you'll see a company that's very tech enabled, that connects with consumers um, anywhere they want to be. You'll see that whole continuum of care um, being delivered. And my hope is that when people think about CVS Health, they'll think about their health and they'll you know, continue to interact with CVS Health 
as their as their healthcare provider. So, Karen, th- this Oak Street Health acquisition is very exciting. Clearly, primary care needs to be transformed, is going to be transformed. You're not the only person trying to do it, right? We have Walgreens invested in Village MD. We have Amazon investing in One Health. Tell us why CVS is going to win. In my view, as I said earlier, I have the continuum of healthcare. So I have, um, you know, 100 uh, million people that I interact with through my insurance divisions. I have 5 million people that walk into my um, store. So I'm touching a third of America already. Healthcare is incredibly complicated. We know um, we're in a good position and a strong position, and uh, you know we're we're playing out our strategy because you know we have a strong passion to bring our heart to every moment of someone's health, and I we have a passionate team committed that really understands healthcare, and um, you know I we're going to play um, we're going to play our game, and we set forth our strategy, and I'm confident in our strategy and our our ability to deliver what consumers uh, need and want for their health care. Yeah, it's a compelling argument. What do you think, Ellen? It's a compelling argument. Glad I'm glad you're back on the Peloton. I'm glad everything's going well. Thank you. Really great to have you with us. Thanks so much for taking the time. Great conversation. Amazing things you're doing. It's such an interesting moment in your business. Please keep it up. Thank you. Nice to be with you both. Leadership Next is edited by Alexis Hott. It's written by me, Alan Murray, along with my amazing colleagues, Alan McGirt, Alexis Hott, and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell. Our executive producer is Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media. Leadership Next episodes are produced by Fortune's editorial team. The views and opinions expressed by podcast speakers and guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Deloitte or its personnel, nor does Deloitte advocate or endorse any individuals or entities featured on the episodes. 